And now we're going to talk a little bit about exercise. I mean, <laughs> you've, you've heard all about it. You've, you do it. And we're going to look at some of the good reasons why exercise is important. Now, <laughs> sometimes the only exercise people get is working the remote control. You know, do this and that's, and they get repetitive thumb injuries from that. But according to the United States Surgeon General's report on physical activity and health, physical exercise is the best single predictor of longevity. Now, I've said for quite a story will be my uh, support in this, I hope, that he remembers that since I came into the department, I was saying that the single most important intervention that one can do to improve quality of life and improve length of life is exercise. And the chief, Dr. Handyside, said to me, I don't think that that is the only one. And we had discussions. And, and as the years have gone by, it's become more and more, um, it, it's become a fact. And the reason that he was questioning it is because he was wanting to see the evidence. And the evidence is now in. And um, there's another, com another factor which is very important in, in looking at longevity and uh, well-being into older age. And that is, a, as one gets older, that one decreases one's calorie intake. You know, people continue to eat the same amount they used to eat when they were 50, 40, 50, and 60. As you get older, you don't need as much, although we should be exercising regularly. So exercise is a, is a hugely important component of day-to-day -day living, of wellness, of being well. And, you know, I've just been talking with, with Gina. May I, I mean, may I say yes, this? Can you believe that she had a double knee replacement three months ago? And she's gets up off the chair and she walks well. I mean, that's a huge achievement and a, and a major blessing of the Lord. But it's, and she's also been taking off a lot of weight. And uh, I, I, I just, huh? and the thing is that she said she overdid the walking a bit yesterday. <laughs> but even when one's knees are in trouble, one can swim, one can do other exercises as well. One needs to do exercise on a regular basis. And it's easy on your joints, on your bones. The one thing is, you, she's made a very important comment about swimming. What is that? You must know how to swim. <laughs> because if you don't, it's, it's, you, know, you put an end to longevity. Okay, so importantly, to do the exercise that you can do. And even when one has limitations, osteoarthritis of the knees, problems that need to be addressed. Um, there are exercises that can help. Now, on average, it's been shown, you know, there are people who sit in little rooms with calculators and computers, and they try and work out these interesting statistics. And the Harvard alumni study shows that on average, every hour of exercise prolongs one lifespan about two hours. It's interesting, isn't it? So for every hour of exercise you do, it prolongs your life two more hours. 
And of those two more hours, you probably have to do another hour of exercise to enjoy. Anyway, so it goes. So better survival with burning about 2,000 calories a week, the equivalent of walking three miles a day. Okay? So we should walk regularly. What kind of exercise do you do? Walking. Three miles a day. Is your halo feeling good right now? <laughs> good for you. I'm very, very... And that's mainly because you're walking three miles a day? Okay. Good for you. Exercise? Walking and kayaking, so you get the upper arms as well. Excellent. And that's, that's easier on your joints, too. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Exercise? What exercise do you do? All day, Seventh-day He's an all-day Seventh-day Adventist. That is a good one. That we need to remember that one. <laughs> you know, the issue of the Seventh-day and exercise, I won't forget, I was down in the Caribbean. You say Caribbean, yeah. And uh, they asked me to go on the radio, and uh, they said, we want to ask you about exercise. I said, well, you know what I'm going to say, seven days a week. They said, that's why we want you to say it, to say it to the church members, that somebody from the health ministries department from the world church, and I thought, you guys are setting me up for trouble here. But I think that it's very much more important to go for a walk than to go for a sleep on a Sabbath. To go out into nature, to look and see what God has made, what a wonderful way. And, and for, those, for those of you, you got, I saw your little boy, and you've forgotten to translate, you're so listening to the story. I saw you. <laughs> I saw your little boy, and that little boy needs to walk on a Sabbath, and not to listen to his father. When I was pastoring, I would do the children's story every week, and I'd get the kids up to the front, and I'd tell them a story. Now I say to them, go back to your seats, no sleeping, and don't let your parents sleep this afternoon. They must take you out, either to Pathfinders, out for a walk. Now the parents would glare at me, and I'd say, and have a lovely Sabbath. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to get on your spikes and go at, you know, at full tilt uh, exercising, but to take a nice, reasonable, relaxed, good walk is good for one. Anyway, so there's been a lot of work showing that regular exercise prolongs life. It's not only a preventive measure. You know, we're thinking always down the line, and the older we get, Ask me, I'm realizing that the older I get, the more you think of what can I do to enjoy quality of life. And uh, so it's not only a preventive measure, it also works to maintain our health at its best. You know, Fred gave a very important talk on sleep 
And you see how important sleep is to maintain functioning and to maintain your, your physical functioning. Now, Stoy is a few years older than I am, but I want to tell you, you go and shake his hand. He's got a grip like iron. <laughs> I've watched him do work as we work together on displays and stuff, and he doesn't shirk for anything, but he's maintained muscle strength. A few years back, we were walking together in, um, it was in Slovenia, and um, there was a little step which he didn't see, and he, f and he fell to the ground, but he fell very, uh, very wonderfully. I mean, I, I thought, oh, brother. And he got up and kind of dusted himself off, and his bones are as strong as anything. I mean, it's because of the regular exercise, good, strong bones. Somebody else, I think, would have been in hospital. Builds houses, does gardening. So I was going to tell the story about my age. I didn't talk about your age. I said you're a bit older than I am. <laughs> now let's get this straight. I wasn't talking about your age. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I, I am very blessed to see, and I said when I introduced story this morning, a person who lives what he preaches. Regular exercise. It's preventive, many, many benefits. And uh, we've selected 30 points which may help you to be convinced. If you're not convinced, and when you share with people, you know, there are the people who say, you get only so many beats. I mentioned it to you the other, the other day. Why waste them on exercise? Not true. Exercise is one of the things we should be doing. Because exercise improves cardiac function. It strengthens the heart, as you see it busy pumping away here, making it more efficient, pumping a greater volume of blood with each contraction. And the fitter you become, the more readily does your heart um, cope with the, with, with the exercise that you're doing. And so you find that there's a, um, a fitness which comes, not only of the heart muscle, but also your, your muscles in the body the blood vessels, the blood supply becomes much more efficient and much more effective. So it's very good for cardiac health. We talked about blood pressure. What are the things you do with blood pressure? We talked about lowering your weight. We talked about exercise. Exercise is crucial. Regular exercise not only brings it down, it also prevents it. And often the medication can be reduced on a regular exercise program. I can, I can cite you numerous patients that I had who once they started to exercise and watch their salt and so on, they would come in and I would just cut medications and I loved doing that. So importantly, it's very good for the prevention and for the management of high blood pressure. Uh, it improves the blood capacity to uh, carry oxygen. And the reason for that is, is that there's an ability of the hemoglobin. We didn't talk to you about the intricacies of hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is able to pick up oxygen and to carry it and then to let it off when there's a lower concentration. Now, the more it does that, the more efficient it becomes at doing it. And as your muscles require more oxygen, the hemoglobin becomes more uh, adept, as it were, in, in releasing it 
and picking it up when it gets back to the lungs. So the capacity, because it works on a sigma sigmoid curve, um, the capacity for the hemoglobin to work improves as we exercise. Now these are all red cells. Red cells. The, oh, that white is a reflection of the photograph. Oh, okay. So these, oh, okay. are, these are all red cells and all it's just to illustrate that that's where the action is when it comes to carrying oxygen. Oh, okay. And uh, as you exercise, it's uh, the deep breathing. And, and Dr. Handysides mentioned that um, yesterday. As you exercise, your breathing gets in. You get, you aerate those lower portions of the lungs, which as we sit in lectures all day, and one of the reasons uh, we as a team get our groups to walk as they can, because you're sitting and you have shallow breathing. You're doing diaphragmatic breathing. And you know, it, much of your lungs don't aerate adequately, and so it doesn't do your body a lot of good. And we find this when we fly on airplanes. I get up and walk in the plane as often as I can. Obviously, you can't walk long distances. But just to get up and to breathe is very important. Lowers the resting pulse rate. Well, you see, that goes along with the, the general well-being of the heart. If you were to feel your pulse before you start on a regular exercise program, you'll probably find that uh, if you start out at 90 beats a minute after a Number of months of exercise comes down to 70 beats a minute. I know that my waking pulse is round about between 50 and 56. And as I exercise, it gets better and better. Question? Pergunto? Reserve. Do you remember we talked about the nervous system this morning? We talked about the sympathetic nervous system which charges it up, which is stimulatory, which excites the heart. And then we talked about the parasympathetic. The more you exercise, the stronger and the more influential the parasympathetic nervous system becomes. And so your, your pulse rate when you're awake will be, like he says, about 60. That's fine. But when you go to sleep, exactly what you're saying, because the cardiac reserve is good, because the muscles are able to be served better by the arteries that have been um, exercised, the heart has to work less. So it's part of the, a good cardiac reserve, if you want to call it that. So it's a very positive thing. So excellent. To remember, though, people must not get discouraged. My wife exercises every morning early, uh, except for Sabbath. She's also worried about the Pharisees. <laughs> so Sabbath morning, she doesn't get up at 5 o'clock and go down to the basement and do the exercise. But every other day of the week, she does. But her resting pulse rate is 70 beats a minute, 76 beats a minute. And at times before she got fit, it was about 90 beats a minute. So not everybody goes down as low as, as you do. Now Kathleen worked out that if you reg exercise regularly and you drop from 90 to 70 beats a minute, you save as much as 10 million beats a year. Wow. Uh, 10 million beats, that's a huge saving and may well be an indicator 
of why you live a longer life. What I've found is that patients who are fit, whatever they have, whether they have a heart attack, or they have an accident, or they have cancer, they do better. They always do better if they're fitter. Right. It improves the, improves the blood circulation. Well, we've talked quite a bit about that so far. Uh, blood to all parts of the body, giving the food, the oxygen, etc. So it will pump better and the circulation will be better. And remember what we said to you, the heart, we think of it as a pump that just squeezes. It actually is like a ringer. When you take a towel you, or, or a piece of clothing and you want to dry it, you want to wring it out, that's actually the way the heart works. And the more efficient it becomes, it becomes more effective the more exercise you do. Stimulates the deep breathing. I mean, when you go out, I'll tell you a little story now. This morning, uh, we'd arranged, I'd arranged with Dr. Handysides and his wife, we would go and walk at 6 o'clock. So at 6 o'clock, normally they call me first. No phone call. So I looked at my watch, 6 o'clock. You see, normally they're the early birds and I'm the, I'm the owl and they're the fowls. You know, I get a bit late, they get up very early. So I walked along and I get to their room and I go, no movement. And I thought, power to them. They're resting. So I went on the walk and I strode out and I was walking and did it quite a long distance and I was turned around to come back and I look almost like the father looking for the prodigal son, you know, looking into the distance. And I saw this fellow and you know what was the giveaway? He was wearing khakis and jogging. <laughs> and I thought, that's my friend. And so I sort of yelled and said, Alan, and didn't stop. So then I started to run, because we were quite a distance. I'd walked quite a long distance before them, and eventually found them. And I must tell you, I caught up to him, but because I had to speed up, I found that my breathing, although I'm pretty fit, was much deeper than before. So it stimulates deep breathing. So you kind of become aware of it, you breathe in and out, but at the end of it, you feel good. And it gets those lungs expanding, more oxygen channel to the blood, more carbon dioxide getting, getting out of your system, and your mind is clearer. You know that I find on my exercise times, when, I'm, when we have terrible weather like we sometimes have in Maryland, Stoyers has lived there much longer than I have, but we sometimes have snow and ice and so on. Then I exercise in the basement and I listen to the Bible. And that's great because then I get an hour in of or 45 minutes to an hour of just listening to good stuff. When I'm out walking, I do a lot of planning, a lot of thinking, a lot of praying. So it's not wasted time. It's a really great opportunity to, to think about things, to plan sermons, to, to think of projects and so on. It's great. And breathing doesn't do any harm to get that oxygen to your brain. Your muscles become more flexible. You'll find sometimes as you start out an exercise program after the first few exercises, uh, times you feel, oh, do I want to do this? I'm sore and I'm stiff and... One of the important things to do is to stretch after you exercise. I'm guilty of that. I don't do it as I ought to. But stretching is important because um, it helps your muscles be more flexible 
and causes you to be more comfortable. And what you'll find, that even if you have pain for the first little while, now, I don't believe in the saying, no, no pain, no gain. You must listen to your body. If you're having too much pain after exercise, cut back on the amount and build it up more slowly. But what you'll find that the more exercise you do, the more regular you are at it, the, more, the less discomfort you're going to have. We talked about that yesterday about joint and osteoarthritis pain as well. It increases the electrical activity of the brain and revitalizes the function of the autonomic. The autonomic is, remember, it's the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So these work much better because of regular exercise. It helps your digestion. Now, here's another thing. If you cast your minds back to yesterday evening's wonderfully entertaining lecture, okay? Here's another thing that exercise does for you. It keeps you regular. And in fact, exercise, and we'll cover that point a little later, is a very important contributor to the decrease in colon cancer because it helps you be more regular and get rid of those um, unwanted substances in your bowel, and so it's, it's a good thing in, in dealing with constipation. Because of the endocrine system functions, how are the messages in the endocrine system sent around the body? How are the messages and the messengers in the endocrine system sent around the body? If the thyroid wants to send out its hormone, how does it do it? Through a nerve, through the lymphatics, or through the blood? Through the blood. If the circulation is better, what do you think is going to happen with the messenger system? It's going to be more efficient. What's going to happen to your muscles and your, your bones? We've already talked about that. One of the preventers of osteoporosis, one of the treatments of osteopenia, is to have a good and regular exercise program. It triggers bone growth, strengthens the bones, and reduces the risks of osteoporosis. And includes walking, hiking, jogging, climbing the stairs. That's the other thing. Obviously, if you've got knee problems and so on, you don't climb the stairs. But if you haven't, walk stairs instead of taking the elevator. We've only got three levels at the general conference. And uh, I always tease the colleagues who use the elevator. And what I do is I run up the stair and press the button so that they stop at every floor to punish them <laughs> for using the elevator. <laughs> um, so free weight machines can be used for resistance training, but you can lift some weights. Always use the stairs. Park your car at the furthest parking spot and then walk to where you're going to be. All those things, put in the extra steps every day. Very important to maintaining exercise. Your bone mass, we talked about that yesterday. It's, you know, exercise is a very, very crucial component. And you can understand why it improves longevity. If your bones are strong, you're less likely to have a premature hip fracture. When you don't have a hip fracture, you can live longer and you can be ambulatory. You can move, you can walk, you can do the things you need to do. So weight-bearing exercise is important to do as well. Mental health. Story was talking earlier about our self-image. 
You know, when you drop a few pounds in weight and you feel a little stronger and you've got a bit of a spring, didn't you feel better when you lost those 10 pounds? You felt better in your head as well. You feel better about yourself. So it's, it's it, you know, I, in the last, I'll, I'll make a little confession. In the last 13 months, I've lost 22 pounds. And you know how nice it is that you put on a jacket that now used to be like this and now is like that. And it kind of makes you just feel, huh? Make, yeah, it makes you feel better. And um, you, your mental health, your mental health improves also because of the, not only your feeling of well-being and what you look like, it's what you feel like. And it's a feeling of accomplishment as well. And so it's uh, increased activity. Older Americans showed improvement in mental function. We talked about that when we talked about the nervous system this morning. One of the factors which decreases the um, progression of Alzheimer's disease and cognitive problems is regular exercise. So there's a clear linear relationship. You know what a linear relationship is? It's, and I'll just draw it for you. This is mental health. And this is exercise. Linear means the more exercise you do, the better your mental health. And that's, that's what a linear one looks like. Okay, so in other words, the more of this that you do on the x-axis, the better your mental health is going to be. So that's what it means when it says linear. Why have we lost this now? There we go. So that linear relationship between the level of activity and the level of mental ability is clearly an important benefit of exercise. Are you convinced yet? Totally. Oh, plenty. Beautifies your body's complexion. It hasn't done that for me yet. But maybe it's going to do it for you. But you know, actually, one does have a glow. One has a, a feeling of well-being, and generally it tones you up well. Uh, it adds that glow to your complexion. It does reduce excess fat. Well, I haven't gotten rid of all of it yet, but it's on the way. Tones you up, makes you feel better, makes you feel stronger. And you know that the interesting thing, I was talking to a very good friend of mine who also has lost about 20 pounds in the last a year, 40 months. And they said to me, they said, you know, it's interesting, I haven't had, I haven't had heartburn. You know, I haven't taken Tums or Prilosec or whatever it is. I'm getting less of those symptoms. So and you sleep better. And uh, maybe your wife tells you you don't snore as much as you did. All of those are positive benefits. So reducing those, it adds to your energy. You definitely feel more energetic. When you're on a regular exercise program, contrary to what sometimes one thinks, sometimes you think, well, 
um, if I exercise, I'm going to be really, really tired. You know, I was thinking of Fred's talk this morning, Dr. Harding, of the sleep issue. And um, probably about three, four years ago, I came to the point in my own work as a cardiologist, as a family practitioner prior to that, and an internist, I used to work in the intensive care unit, in the coronary care unit. We were putting stents in and pacemakers throughout the night and dealing with emergencies and all that sort of thing. And you have three, four hours sleep some nights, some nights you have no sleep. And um, that's the kind of pattern one gets into working and you're doing research, you're writing papers, you're preaching sermons, you're pastoring churches and so on. Then you get, now I got to the point here at the GC, probably about three, four years ago, where I was working in the same style. And it came to me, but you know, you can't continue to do this. And tell people during the day, guys, you've got to rest, you've got to exercise, you've got to eat well. Look at your own life. What are you doing? And it's interesting. Took the decision to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. Your work gets done more effectively. You become more efficient. And then I had the wonderful experience just probably about three weeks ago. Um, I love teaching in general, but I, I also love the opportunity to mentor and teach young people, like those two characters at the back there. I met uh, Brian at uh, the mental health conference, and uh, it was interesting to get to know him there and to see him again here, but there's a young medical student who's finishing his medical course now, and I, I met him three weeks ago again at Loma Linda, and we were talking because he's now come into the final stretch of his studies, and I said to him, well, shall we meet for early breakfast or are you going to be sleeping? No, no, no. He said, I'll be awake. I said, well, so you're going to be working late? He said, you know, Dr. Landless, he said, I made a pact with the Lord. When I started to study, I would sleep eight hours a night. He must help me get my work done. And he's been cracking great grades, doing excellent work, a lot of extramural stuff. He's leading out in the mission interest program. And, you know, when he told me that, I thought, what a testimony. He made the pact with the Lord. I'll sleep. You help me to get my work done. So the regular exercise is important when it comes to your energy. It helps you cope with stress. There's no question about it. And you know how it does that? It does it through a system called the endorphins. You heard of endorphins? Sorry, what was that? Endorphins. Endorphins are chemicals which are related to morphine, opiates. And actually, when you see runners, they're running along like this. You think that they're really in terrible pain. But actually, what keeps them going is two things. One is obviously they're motivated. But endorphins give you a little bit of a mental high. And also, they take away the pain and the discomfort of, the, of some of the chemicals that build up in the body. So endorphins are very good and they give you a, um, a much better ability to cope with stress. You feel better about things and you face uh, things a lot better. And that's part of the reason why it's good where you can and when you can and when it's safe, exercise outdoors. It slows the aging process. You look better. You keep looking younger. It improves your immunity. Remember we talked about the laughing yesterday. When you laugh, you increase your natural killer cells. When you exercise, 
you uh, improve those polymorphonuclear cells, the white cells, and it um, not only improves your immunity, but it's also very good for your emotional fatigue. And just be careful of the ice and the slippering, but that's important. Thank you for that point. Very good. Yeah. White, belt, white blood cells. Okay. That's one of the difficult ones. <laughs> white blood. You know what WBC is? It's a TLA. You know what a TLA is? A three-letter acronym. Well, really, what it, yes, it does improve the function of the lymphatic system. Let me tell you why. The lymphatic system is a system of tubes and pipes which carry fluid that we call lymph fluid, which is um, similar to plasma. When the muscles are contracting, the muscles help to squeeze the blood that's in the veins to go back to the heart. And likewise, they will squeeze the lymphatics to circulate that lymph system. And that will also improve the problems of fighting infection. An interesting thing, though, ultramarathon runners. The pump, yes. So it's the pump. E exactly right. Thank you for that point. The one thing to remember, and we'll come to your question now, is that in ultramarathon runners, Sometimes they, uh, because of the continued long distance running, they sometimes decrease the blood supply to the gut, to the bowel, and some of those bacteria get out into the bloodstream and can be a negative effect. We're talking not about the um, 26 milers, we're talking 42 milers and above. But for some people, it can be a problem. Ah. Yeah, but they know how to do it. Yeah. You see, we're talking about the gringos now. They got to be careful. It's all in the book. It's all in the book. Yep. And anyway, when you get when you get the CD, I know the slides won't be, but every lecture, the, all eighty lectures are on the CD. So you'll be able to get it. Yeah. What? Okay. Polymorphonuclear. Those are these. Um, the, those are the white cells. They have a nucleus that has a polymorph, many shapes. Okay. We're going to have to finish in about three minutes because Story is looking at me. It gives you a good feeling. We've talked about the endorphins during laughing as well. See, the whole lecture series is consistent, but it's all because it's based on evidence. We talked about decreasing the risk of some cancers because of producing the increase in natural killer cells. NKs are natural killer cells. You with us? Um, so it can increase the activity against cancer cells. Most of us, as we sit here, may have produced one or two malignant cells. Do you know that? But what happens is that your immunity comes along and wipes it out. 
these, these ones, these fellows come along and they destroy it. What happens when you exercise regularly, it improves the function of those natural killer cells. Do we live forever on this earth? No, we don't. But what it does is it gives us a better quality of life. And that's what we're looking for. So we've talked about the reduction in cancer, 67% um, less breast cancer. We also find that it decreases in bowel cancer, colon cancer. Um, people who are fit, shown in the exercise and sport and science, a 55% lower cancer mortality rate than unfit persons. So what it's showing us here is that the fitter you are, the more regularly you exercise, the more healthfully you eat, the better your quality of life. Helps you sleep better at night. We've talked about that. Um, helps to decrease the risk of cardiovascular and cerebrovascular diseases. A little repetitive, but it's showing us that exercise promotes an increase in the high-density lipoprotein cholesterol. HDL, H for healthy. Not for Enrique, for healthy. H for healthy. And HDL is the cholesterol you want to have elevated. Exercise is the primary way to do it. We've talked about controlling body weight. Exercise is very important for that. It lowers the bad cholesterol. We've talked about emotional and intellectual function. Improves communication. Not only does it decrease the onset of Alzheimer's, it decreases the progress, but people who exercise, who have Alzheimer's, are better able to communicate when they exercise. And they've shown this after walking exercise programs have been done. Lessens your anxiety and depression. It produces the longevity that we've talked about. Important here, in this epidemic of diabetes that we are looking at in many parts of the world, exercise is a very important component in managing it. So with all these positive associations, it's clear that physical exercise is the best single predictor of longevity. So are there any questions? This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.